Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Amazing. Everyone turn this way if you would. Come on, can you raise your hands towards heaven? Raise your hands up like this. Man, I want to receive from God. I don't know about you. I didn't come to church to be entertained. I didn't come to church for that back rub, even though it might have helped. I didn't come to church just because it's the thing I do on Sunday mornings. I want to receive from Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, I want to receive. Would you, would you say this with me? Say, I'm awake. I'm alert. I'm ready to receive. God, my heart is soft. My ears are open. My mind is focused. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, grab your seat this morning. Grab your seat. We're going to dive straight into this message. Yeah, bring that on up here. I'm excited about uh, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited about this series about faith. About faith. How many people uh, use the word faith on a you know a week to week, maybe a month to month basis, maybe day to day? This word faith. It's an interesting. It's a uh, interesting word that kind of means a few different things. Sometimes people refer to faith as their overarching belief system, right? They're like, this is my faith. What's your faith? I was talking to someone yesterday who ascribes to the religion of Buddhism, and they referred to it as their faith. And then they say, oh, you're a Christian. That's your faith, this overarching thing. Now, I'm not specifically today talking about your uh, worldview or your belief system as a whole. What I want to talk about is, is the type of faith that leads to action, the type of faith that marks the life of someone who doesn't just say they believe something but really, really believe something. Are you with me? That type of faith, it feels a lot like risk. Can you turn to the person beside you and say risk? Come on, turn to the person on the other side and say that's a great board game. Risk. Anyone ever been in an argument that started around a, a risk board game? Anybody? Ever lose a friendship over risk? It's a great game. Risk. You know faith, it feels a lot like risk. And if it doesn't feel like risk, it's probably not actually faith. We've used the image throughout this month of a, of a wave, of a wave. Anyone ever been surfing? How many people have ever been surfing? Can you put your hand up in the air if you've ever gone surfing? How many people, maybe not surfing, but like you've been on a, like a bodyboard or a boogie board or whatever? Anyone? Yeah. Has anybody ever, like, you've, you've thought, at some point, I will surf? You haven't surfed yet, but you're like, it looks fun. I'm going to try it out, okay? How many people are like, I just want to be around where surfing's happening. Just get me on a beach. I'll watch other people surf. Are you with me? Okay, we got people of all, all sorts here. I remember the first time I went surfing. First time I tried, I say I went surfing, I tried surfing. The first time I attempted to surf. Uh, Jennifer and I, we were uh, just married. We went uh, on our honeymoon. We went to Tofino, and uh, it was May. And uh, Tofino in May is not the warmest place to be. But we're like, man, let's surf. Let's try to surf. And so we went out and we found a beach, amazingly pretty empty that day, which could have been just because it was freezing cold, or perhaps because there were sharks present. I don't know. And uh, we rented gear, and we said, let's surf. 
The thing was, we had never at any point in time learned how to or done any research on surfing. Now, this time was a little bit pre-internet, so it's not like we could just Google it from the beach side. Like it, we were talking like dial up, go to an internet cafe if you wanted to learn something back then. Amazing. Or you could watch somebody who had it figured. Now, there was a couple people who were out surfing that day, and so what I did is I tried to position myself as close to the people who were doing it right and say, I want to learn from them. I want to see how they're doing it and try to replicate what I see them doing. The interesting thing was I saw them doing some things that didn't make sense to me. See, the truth of the matter is living by faith doesn't necessarily make sense upon observation. I watched these people as they, they, they paddled out into the surf, into the waves. It's amazing how easy it looks from the beach. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, just, you just quickly jump in and then you swim to where you want to be. And then you realize that doing that is already a workout. Are you with me? It's amazing. It's true as well, people of faith. On the outside looking in, it looks really easy until you get yourself into it and you say, this is a little more work than I was expecting. So there they were. They got on their, on their boards and they kind of paddled out over the waves, through the waves, and then they made their way there. And then they got to a certain depth, a certain distance from shore, and they were all just sitting on their boards. There's about three or four of them just sitting on their boards chatting. Man, that was a lot of work to get all the way out there just to have a chat. It's cold out in that water. And what I noticed was that they were observing around them the rhythm of the, of the ocean. They were making observations and they were making calculations based on the way the waves were moving. There they were out feeling the surf, feeling the tide. And at a certain point in time, I watched them as they quickly began to paddle away from the wave, which I thought to myself, are they scared of that wave? Are they finally cold and trying to get in? And as they would paddle away from the wave, it was amazing. The wave would pick them up and with, with ease, they would just pop right up on their board and they'd start riding in towards the shore. I thought, well, that looks pretty easy. I've seen it done. Should be able to do it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So I made my way out on a board. I'm paddling out. I'm fighting the surf. I got, I got salt water in every possible space it could be. I, you know, it's burning my nostrils. It's plugged up my ears. My eyes are kind of blurry. And I, I get to the place where they were all sitting. And then I'm trying just to perch on the board. And even doing that was a little bit difficult. You're, you're sitting on a board and it's moving. And then I'm trying to play it cool. You know what I'm talking about? And everyone's like, hey, how's it going? And then they're talking a lingo. I don't understand. You with me? And I'm like, oh, yeah, just uh, getting ready to hang 10, I think. You know, have you seen the, the tunnel, the tube, the channel? The, uh, like, I'm trying to throw out words. I don't know what they're talking about. And then I watched it, and, and someone's like, oh, this one's mine. Got this one. And he swims away, and all of a sudden he's surfing away. And then the next person said, okay, this is mine. I'm out. And they surf away. And then the next, I, I got this one, and they surf away, and then I, there I am alone. In the surf. No one to say this one's mine to, but I did it anyway. I'm like, okay, everyone, this one's mine. And I started to swim to absolutely no effect. And there I was. I'm, yeah, here it is. And then just the wave came and the wave dropped, and I was still there. And I'm like, oh, it must not have been mine. I'll catch the next one. This one. This one is mine. That time I had a hard time even turning around in time, and before I could get around, the wave was gone. And I'm like, man, I'm just doing circles on a surfboard. It was amazing. As I was there, I watched people 
make their way in, swim all the way back out, catch another wave, make their way in, swim all the way back out, catch another wave. I'm, I got salt water in my face. I'm trying. I'm flipping over. It was unbelievable. But I learned a couple of techniques that day. I learned a couple of things through observation that day that I think feel a little bit what faith feels like. Just a little bit of what faith feels like. I want to tell you a story from the Bible where I see some of these things play out. It's a story of a man named Elijah. Can everyone say Elijah? Elijah. Elijah is a, a prophet in the Old Testament. Elijah had a unique relationship with God. Elijah was like a one in a million. In fact, he would say he was a one and only. There was a point in time where he said, I'm the only person left who has faith in God. In the entire nation, every single other person has lost their faith. I'm the only one left. Elijah's uniqueness was this. God would speak to him. God would give him a message that would be for the nation. So here he had this message that applied to other people, and it was his job to figure, how do I handle this message that I know, communicate it to the people that it's for? And he, So he was kind of always in between. Now, one of the messages that, that Elijah shared was not received very well. Here was the message. King Ahab, just want you to know, for you and all your people, because of the way that you're living, the entire nation is going to be in a drought. And the drought won't pass until I say it'll pass. And for three and a half years, there wasn't a single drop of rain. Now, Elijah put a bit of a target on his back. Interestingly, in this season and time, you can read it in your Bible, the story of Elijah, it's just this incredible little story. You, you find it amongst like genealogies and history. You're like, and then historically, this king, he tried, he wasn't very good. The land didn't prosper very well. This king, they, they, they honored God, and it's amazing. Blessing came. You see this pattern that when you obey God, blessing follows. When you disobey God, you miss out on some of those blessings. And then in the midst of this, you see Elijah, this incredible person of faith. In a season where there was drought, in a season where there was nothing, Elijah was being cared for. Elijah was being cared for in this unique way. Every day, ravens would come and deliver him food. Like ravens we're talking like Uber Eats, okay? Ravens would come and deliver food to him. And so he lived by this, this creek and he had water because the creek would flow and then ravens would come and drop off his food. It's amazing. Like that's in itself bizarre. That, that's a unique blessing of God, wouldn't you say? How many people would like a daily delivery of food? Someone here like, that's why I still live with my mom. I have that. I have that blessing. It's amazing. Daily delivery of food. And then it came a point in time, three and a half years in, uh, I want to tell you this story where, where Elijah comes to the king and he says, King, now I want to show you the power of God. I want to show you what the power of God is like. He said, I'm going to meet you at the top of Mount Carmel. Someone say yum. Not caramel, caramel. He said, I'm going to meet you at the top of Mount Carmel. Send all of the prophets of Baal. Baal was the idol that the nation had begun to worship. He said, send all the prophets of Baal. We want to, we're going to have a showdown. We're going to have a showdown. I want to prove to you once and for all that the Lord I serve, he is God, 
And he's a God of good things, and he's a God of blessing, and he's on our side. And here we are, you know, giving him the Heisman. We're straight-arming him. We're pushing him away. There's seriously zero college sports fan. You know the Heisman trope? Okay. Giving him the Heisman. We're straight-arming, pushing, resisting God. We've got pride. We're pushing him away. And here's God. He wants to pour out his blessing on us. It hasn't even rained because God's trying to get our attention. That hasn't worked. Let me get your attention. I'll meet you at the top of the mountain. So uh, we pick this story up here in, uh, in the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 18, okay? 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah and this group of prophets, they're on the top of the mountain, and from the top of the mountain, Elijah proposes this showdown. He says, okay, here's the first thing I want you to do. All you prophets of Baal, uh, we've got two sacrifices here, two bulls here that we're going to make a sacrifice we're going we're gonna to honor our gods. You can honor the God you serve. I'll honor the God I serve. But here's how this showdown is going to work. You take your offering, your bull, and you prepare it for the sacrifice, but don't light it on fire. If your God is real, if the God you say you serve is real, uh, then, then fire will come down from heaven and consume that offering. And if that doesn't work, then it's my turn. And I'm going to do the same thing. And if the God I serve is real, fire will come down from heaven and consume the offering. So they say, we, there's 450 of us, there's only one of you, we like our chances, so they begin, and they prepare, and, the, and part of their ceremony was that they, as they prepared the offering, they put it on an altar, and then they all began to chant and sing and wail, which is kind of an interesting way to get the attention of the God you serve. They're all wailing, and then they got even like a little more pumped and into it, and they started cutting themselves, which again, different way to try to get God's attention. It's like they're, they're holding their, their God captive. They're like, if you don't come now, I'm going to hurt myself. I think sometimes people do that with, with God as well, don't they? Sometimes people live that sort of way. They live that sort of way like, you know, everything's terrible unless you come and, and, and save me. Just a, a, a little side note. But they're trying this. They're cutting themselves. They're wailing. They're chanting. The day goes on. Nothing's happening. And then Elijah gets a little salty. I like Elijah. Just a little salty. He's like, hey, maybe you got to go louder. Like maybe maybe Bale's on vacation, and he can't hear you from where he is. So try going a little louder. I can't hear you. He goes on. He's like, I, maybe he's sleeping, or maybe he's using the bathroom. Because seriously, you guys have been at this for a long time, and nothing. The day goes on. There's no response whatsoever, and Elijah says, now it's my turn. It's my turn to take a step of faith. It's my turn to step out in faith. It says this in, uh, in 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come here to me. And so they came to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descending from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, your name shall be Israel. With the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he dug a trench around it large enough to hold two says of seed. He arranged the wood and he cut that bull into pieces and he laid it on the wood. Now he's, he, he's just doing kind of the, the things you would expect at this point. I think it's a little bit like when you are surfing. You got to get into it. It's one thing to observe from a distance. It's another thing to be right in the middle of it. You know, I think there's too many people who are simply observers of their own lives. They're spectators in their own life. They're sitting back watching life happen to them. They're sitting back disengaged, 
scared to ever even put their emotion into anything, scared to ever say they care about anything, because if they say they care about something and it doesn't happen, they'll live in disappointment. So instead, they sit back and observe. They sit back and just watch the world pass them by. I think there's this tragedy that takes place of people who never actually live. Their life comes to an end, and we mourn their death, but the more the more grievous thing is that they never actually lived their life. They existed. They breathed in and out. There was some semblance of brain activity. There was the the signs physically that life existed, but there was no real living. You know, Peter said, or, or Paul says to Timothy, he's writing, he says this, God hasn't given you a spirit of timidity, or a spirit of fear. Instead, he has given you power, love, and a sound mind. He's given you strength. He's given you emotion. He's given you cognitive ability to think. Thoughts that link together. God hasn't given you fear. Do you know what fear does? It robs you of power. It dominates your emotion, and it confuses your thinking. Here, God has given you this crazy gift. I want you to have the strength to overcome. I want you to have emotion that is healthy, that everything you do is out of love, not out of, not out of striving, not out of anger, not out of, of comparison, not out of competitiveness, but out of love. And I want you to have sound mind, thinking that makes sense. And then fear comes. See, fear, it's, it's like this replacement for faith, isn't it? It's this replacement for faith when we begin to imagine all the things that could go wrong. And so we never act because we've already acted out all the possible scenarios in our mind and we don't like some of the results. That's why faith requires some risk. That's why faith, because faith says to that, that fear, that doesn't come from God. I've got power on the inside of me. I've got love bubbling up inside of me. I have a sound mind. My thoughts do matter. My creativity does matter. I have wisdom. I have the ability to take this step. So I think the first thing, if we're going to be people of faith, people who really take hold of the risk and the reward of faith, first thing is we have to begin to live. We've got to get in the wave. We've got to get in the water. Turn to someone beside you and say, get in the water. Come on, get in the water. It's amazing. Look at Elijah was already living in the miraculous. He was already like all he had to do to receive something from the raven was sit by the river and wait. I'm telling you, if you are living in relationship with Jesus, you're already provided for. You're already provided for. God, it will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. This is not God holding us hostage saying, if you don't live by faith, then I'm not going to bless you. He is a God who blesses, okay? Okay, that would be an easy message to preach. It would just be wrong. The truth is God blesses because of who he is, not who we are. So he's taking care of Elijah every day. He's got his back every day. But he had a higher purpose and call for Elijah than simply to exist and receive food from a raven. He was positioning Elijah to change a nation. Come on, somebody. To change the world around him. And in order to see a change in the world around him, he had to get up out of his comfort zone. Before he could ride the wave, so to speak, he had to get out in the water. So he he initiates this challenge, and he prepares. I think it's interesting to note. In my Bible, I've underlined this word repair. The first thing that that Elijah did before before he... 
saw the offering consumed before the, the fire came down. It said first he had to repair the altar. You see, I believe there's some people who never engage in a life of faith because they're embarrassed that their, their discipline has fallen into disrepair. Like they never really truly take a huge step of faith because they're embarrassed at how, how unprepared they are. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's some people who said there was this one time at a youth camp. I was 16 years old. I got fired up and someone laid hands on me and I had my hands in the air and then I started crying for some reason. I was like, I want to change the world. And then in that moment, I said, God, wherever you send me, I will go. But then I went back to school and got really scared. And I made some friends that were a bad influence. And I've never had a moment like that again in my life. It would just be crazy at this point because now I'm like 22, you know. My best days are behind me. It's funny that we laugh at 22. We laugh we're like, oh, you're just 22. I'm 30. At what age would it be appropriate to not laugh at that? Like, like if you still have breath in your lungs, you're not done yet. Elijah, before he could see the, the offering consumed, he had to repair what was already there. There's some people, you're like, man, I'm just so inconsistent. I've never worked at that gift God put on my life. I know I'm called to be a leader, but I keep on dropping the ball. Nobody would ever look to me as a leader. So I, I, what, what's the point of taking a step of faith? Because I've been such an inconsistent person, no one will ever buy that I'm a leader. And so they just observe and watch their life go by. you got to get in the water. Get in the water. Observe the rhythm. So for, for, for Elijah, he's like, hey, i got to put these rocks back in place. There's 12 of them because there's one for every person. He, he's, he's thorough in the way he prepares. For some of you, you simply, you're like, man, I just actually don't ever talk to God. So I've got these moments like that happen in settings like this in church where I feel God speak to me, but outside of this, I never talk to God. Well, the first place you can be in, jump in the water. Start talking to God. Include him in your life. Like, but there won't be a backing track, right? I won't know what to say. As if God's grading us on how, how spiritual our language is, right? you got to get back in the water. Some people, you've just fallen out of step. You've fallen out of rhythm. Before you could ever ride a wave, you've got to get out and feel what the waves feel like. Just get, get yourself in the water. So he repairs the altar, and he digs a trench. I love this. He said before he did all this, he's like, hey, everyone, come here. Everyone, everyone, gather around. Okay, I'm going to go to work. And then he starts repairing it. He's collecting. You think like all day long there's been this ruckus going on. All day long. There's been people who are cutting themselves and like chanting at the sky, dancing around. You could have just quickly got that done when no one was watching. But there's something really humbling about this, isn't it? Where Elijah says, I'm not ashamed of the work I have to do. I know that I have some work to do. I know that it's not, not prepared yet. I know that the moment hasn't come yet, but he's okay to, in public, begin to work. That's, that's kind of the beauty of church, that in the public eye, even with people observing you, you can start working on your life. Like we, we talk about get into a hub. Why? So you can know people. So you can be known by people. You're like, if I'm known by people, they'll know what I'm bad at. But you know what? They'll be there to cheer you on as you repair it. And they might even have some tips that have helped them. And what you'll find out in the process is they're still repairing something in their life too. And that whole weird comparison thing where you look around the room and you're like, every single person is perfect except for me. That illusion will be shattered. 
Or maybe there's some of us who look out of the room and go, every single person is flawed except for me. That illusion will also be shattered in community. So here's Elijah dealing with his mess in community. And then the moment comes and kind of like the surface, he's like, okay, this is mine. I got this one. I got this. I, I sometimes think, like, how do people know when God speaks to them? You with me? Like, how do people know? They just throw that out so casually. Like, and then God spoke. And so, you know, empowered by the Spirit of God, I began to do it. Like, how did you know it was God? Well, usually, if it's God, it feels a little risky. Truth of the matter is, if you're doing things that you could accomplish, even if God did not show up and help you, then you're not yet living in the realm of faith. You can, you can, you can fool all of us. You just won't fool God. Like, you can fool all, like, we can, we can play the part of someone's like, oh, man, this is just going to be huge. In the back of our mind, we're like, I know I can figure it out. You know, here I am. I'm taking this huge step of faith. Like, I'm going to begin to worship. I'm like, Secretly, you're like, I love the sound of my own voice. I'm amazing on a mic. It's going to be awesome. But then we play the part like, I don't know if God could use a little old me, right? Like we, we, can, we can fool those around us. But in sincerity, in our heart, faith feels like risk. And, and I, I kind of wish, I guess, or I, I've wanted at times to, to know what it feels like when people are like, and then I just knew. God spoke, so I just knew. And I used to think that them knowing was they didn't feel any fear anymore. I used to think that when someone's like, and then God spoke, and so I knew. And it was just like those surfers were like, this one's mine. And then they just knew. And there's no fear anymore. And they didn't have to do anything anymore. It just happened because they just knew. The truth of the matter is a step of faith doesn't feel like that. A real step of faith it, it is not that you, you no longer feel any like, this is like God's got to show up. A step of faith still feels that way. But a person of faith acts on it. A person of faith positions themselves in a place where they're going to need God to show up. So here's Elijah, people all around. He's repaired the altar, and then he makes the most crazy request. He says, everyone go grab some water. If you could get, uh, get four jugs of water and just come pour them on top of this altar that I've prepared. So he had dug a trench, put rocks around it, put wood on top of it, and then put the sacrifice on top of that. He's waiting for fire to come from heaven, though he hasn't brought anything to create a spark. And he says, before we do that, bring some water. And so they bring four jugs of water, it says, and they pour it on the offering. And then he says, do it again. And so they bring four more jugs of water, and they pour it on the offering. Then he goes, do it again. And so they bring four more jugs of water. They pour it on the offering. At this point, everything's soaked. The offering is soaked. The wood is soaked. The rocks are soaked. The trench that he dug is full of water. There's, a, there's an impracticality to this type of obedience, isn't there? Everybody knows water and fire don't mix, right? Okay, like, like if you want fire to come, don't get the wood wet. If you've ever seen an episode of Survivor, you know what happens that way, right? The rain comes like, well, no fire tonight. You can't get the, the, the fire wet. Now, the interesting thing with this is it's not only impractical, but it's incredibly sacrificial. At this certain point in time, I, remember I told you it had been three and a half years since it had rained. Nobody had extra water. Like, the water they had was theirs. If there was anything worth being possessive of, it was water. You see, there's an impracticality 
to obedience. But the risk of impractical obedience leads to the reward of impossible blessing. The risk of impractical steps of obedience leads to the reward of impossible blessing. They gave the thing that they least wanted to give. How many people would love if God asked for the thing you most wanted to give up anyway? It's amazing. I I heard just the other day a testimony of one of my mentors. I really look up to he and his, his family. He said there was a certain point in time where God challenged them to give $1,000, and all they had to their name was $1,000. And he said, God, I can't give $1,000. All I have is $1,000. And God responded to him into his heart. That's why I didn't ask for $1,001. I only asked for what you do have. It's amazing that God is not requiring something of us that we don't have, but he does require of us what we do have. I'm telling you, obedience feels impractical. Like it's not really surrender until you're doing the thing you didn't want to do anyway. It's kind of like when when you're surfing and you're trying to catch a wave and and you have to swim away from the wave. Anyone surfing, you know what I'm talking about. So you go, hey, this wave is mine. I'm going to defy all logic and actually be standing on top of a moving wave and riding it. The wave is behind me. I want to ride it that direction So I'm just going to start swimming that direction. Are you with me? You following me? And you here you are with like little to no strength compared to a wave, right? Waves are powerful. They're big. We're small. But if you're not willing to swim away and to put your own effort in, the wave just comes and goes and does absolutely nothing. And there you are. doesn't matter how big the wave is. Unless you're willing to get engaged, it just passes you by. And I like it's illogical. It doesn't make sense. Like, why would I give the little energy I have to swim against a wave? It's not like I can get myself up on water anyway. If I could, I would just do it without a wave. But yet the way that the the science works is unless you're willing to put your own energy in, the wave doesn't catch you. It's an interesting thing, similar to faith, isn't it? A step of obedience, though it is small in comparison to the blessing. Though our power is limited and God's is infinite, though our ability is so finite and his is, is immeasurable, God requires us to move. God moves with those who move. Like faith is for, Jesus put it this way, the kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and it's the forceful who will take hold of it. There is a wave rolling of the blessing and the goodness of God and is those who are willing to say, mine, that will take hold of it. See, some people, they question the power of the wave. Oh, it must not have been a powerful enough wave. You know, it must not have been God's perfect timing. I I sometimes think God's perfect timing is simply this. Mine. A person who's willing to say, this is my day. It's my time. I want to take hold of the promises I see in Scripture, that God will supply for all my needs. I want to take, take a hold of what I see in Scripture, that, that God, that you know what it says in Hebrews? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it says this, without faith, it's impossible to please God because you must first believe that he is and second, believe that he is a rewarder. Someone say rewarder. 
a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. So it's simply that point in time, this is the timing of God, ready? Mine! I believe that God is. I'm going to earnestly seek him. I'm going to put the best of my energy into this. I'm giving it all I got. If, if the wave doesn't show up, I'm going to feel silly. I'm going to look silly. I might capsize. I might get laughed at. But I want to ride that wave. I came here to serve. I didn't come here to watch. I came here to ride. I came here to live. I came here to, to really go after the things that God has for me. So it's a person who says, My, here's Elijah impractically saying, sacrifice the very thing that you, you least want to give. And now that he's got this soaked offering, I'm going to come to a close here. And he prays a simple prayer. You can read it in your Bible. His prayer sounds something like this. He's like, hey, God, um, like people don't believe in you the way I do. It would be awesome if they did. So can you show up? That's like, like if you were to just put it in common language, that's basically what he said. Like, could you just show people that you're real? And it says this immediately. Fire comes from heaven, consumes his sacrifice, consumes the wood, consumes the stone, consumes the water. Like in that moment, like how many people know the Bible says this? Our God is a consuming fire. He'll consume what we will give him. Like what we'll be willing to sacrifice, God will consume. So he comes. And upon the entire group of people who have gathered on the top of this mountain, they immediately, like, revival breaks out. Like, that is what we were waiting for. We've been living a counterfeit. No wonder our life isn't going the way we want it to go. This is God. And there, there's this turning. Now, the story, if it ended here, would be a pretty good story, wouldn't it? Be a pretty good story. Like, it would be a pretty good story if here's how you surfed. You got aboard, you swam out to a, to a wave, and then you said, Mine! And then you were just able to do it. Maybe some of you are far more natural than I am, but I will tell you this. That is not as easy as it was. Like, you have to first and foremost get out in the water. If we want to be people of faith, we've got to position ourselves. Not being observers in the background, but saying, hey, everyone, gather around. I'm flawed. I'm messed up. I'm imperfect. God's going to do something amazing. I'm going to just start repairing and when the moment comes, the moment's right, I'm willing to sacrifice even what is impractical because the risk of impractical obedience leads to the reward of impossible blessing. And then this, Elijah says this, everyone, like their hearts are completely turned. They're like, now we know God is real. And they all start to party. And they all begin to feast. And Elijah goes to pray. It's an interesting, interesting little thing that takes place. Elijah goes to pray. See, because the, the whole purpose of this exercise was not only that fire would come from heaven, but it's that people would understand God for who he was. That God is a consuming fire, but he's also a provider for all our needs. What, what did they need the most at that time? What did they need most at that time? Water. What had they already sacrificed? So God was about to give them, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. The Bible says this, if you refresh others, you yourself will also be refreshed. This word refresh is a word for giving a drink of water. 
if you refre- if you give a drink to someone else, God will in turn refresh you. The second word for refresh in that proverb, that little quip, that little word of wisdom is a word like a torrential downpour. In other words, if you will take the initiative and sacrifice and put yourself in a place where you'll share a little bit of what you have, God will give you more than you could possibly know what to do with. And so Elijah, as everyone else is partying, Elijah's leaning into God. You see, this is the thing. If you're going to surf, first of all, you got to get in the water. Second of all, you have to do the impractical thing of putting your best effort in, even though you know your best effort is not enough. The truth of the matter is, if we're willing to do what's natural, I believe God will do what's supernatural. But, but it rarely happens the other way around where God's like, hey, just let me do everything, and then you can join me when you want. It's just amazing. He says this, like he puts us in a place, I want you to do what's ordinary. It might be impractical, but obey. But then the third thing you need to do is once you get caught up in that wave, you've got to lean into it. You've got to lean into it. You can't back away from it. So I mean, I've done this before. You, you, you get out in the wave. Here comes the water. You put your best effort forward, and the moment the wave hits you, if you were to just sit up and back off, the wave passes you by. You actually have to lean forward and begin to ride the wave that has caught you. And the truth of the matter is, a lot of us get excited. Imagine that. It's like here we are. The wave of God's goodness and grace catches us, and we're like, yippee. Did you see it, everyone? Did you see it? Meanwhile, we can ride that wave. See, here, here's what it looks like to ride that wave. Press in in prayer. Put, position yourself in a place for God to, to respond. So Elijah, he goes up. The Bible says he, he's kneeled down on the ground on the top of the mountain, and he asks his servant, he said, can you just go look and see if there is a rain cloud yet? Because I really know God's going to provide. This was not about fire. This is about God, people seeing God for who he is, a good God. And his servant goes, he goes, Elijah, I don't see any, I don't see any clouds at all. He goes, okay, well, go back again. Goes back a second time, comes back, Elijah, there's no clouds at all. He's like, well, I'm leaning into this thing. Go back again. Third time he goes, yeah, Elijah, hey, there's no, there's no cloud at all. Well, go back again. Fourth time he goes again, he comes back. He goes, hey, Elijah, there's, and Elijah's like, I'm not going to let this go. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to take my board in and hand it back to the rental shop and say, I'm not a surfer. I am riding this wave. I'm determined. I'm committed. Go again. He goes a fifth time. He comes back. He goes, Elijah, no, this is not. He goes, go back again. He goes a sixth time. He comes back. He goes, Elijah, I'm really tired of this charade. It's not going to happen. There'll be people around you who try to convince you God's never going to actually do the thing he's told you he's going to do. Elijah says, go back again. He comes back. He goes, Elijah, I mean, a slight change has happened. There's one cloud, but it's like the size of my hand. Literally, it's the size of a man's hand over the whole, like, like, you said to tell you if anything changed. I guess a little something changed. Elijah gets up. He's like, okay, that's it. That's all we needed. That's all we need. The movement has begun. The movement. It's amazing because you lean into a wave, but then once you get up on it, then you just relax. You with me? There's like five people who have surfed before. You know what it talks about? Once you're riding the wave, then just relax and enjoy. Elijah, he positions it. He's like, come on, God, come on. You can do this. And then he's like, okay, God's, now God's taking over. Now God's taken over, and so I'm just going to relax. I'm just going to ride this wave. And he actually puts himself in front of the king's chariot. He's like, hey, king, I'll race you back to the city. And the historians say it's 17 miles, and Elijah ran in front of the chariot. And here, here's the king with his, his fastest horses and chariots. He can't catch Elijah. I, that's just a weird story at the end of the whole story. It's crazy. You're like, what was the story all about? Man, I guess 
I guess possibly it could simply be this, that God can do whatever God wants to do. And here was Elijah thinking his story was, I will be the fire bringer. I will be the water maker. And God's like, yeah, you're also going to be an Olympic runner. Go for a jog. Just watch what I will do. Man, I think God wants to do more in you than you could imagine. And here you are, like, on the precipice of that one thing that just feels so hard to believe in. Like, oh, I don't know. That's going to be such a big step of faith. But you will find as you look back, you're like, I just outran a horse. Like, it was impractical for fire to come from heaven. It was amazing that for three and a half years it hasn't rained, and then when I said it would rain, it rains. But I just outran a horse, guys. I just outran a horse. New levels. I, I, th- I think for some of us, the, the big step of faith that we're awaiting, like, am I actually going to engage in being a person of generosity? That just seems so crazy because this water is mine. Why would I give away what's mine? Because God's got more for you. Why would I step out and care for someone else? Because I have a limited amount of love, and if they reject me, I will be in pain, and I'll never bounce back. But then you find out you step out and you start pouring love into other people, and God always leaves you full. He always supplies. So you have this overflow of love, and you're like, man, I, I, I like people have rejected me. It hasn't always gone how I planned, but I'm okay. And then you step out like, I don't have a story. People are like, share your story. I don't have a story. It's impractical. Why would I share my little old story? It's not even interesting. But then you step out and you say, wow, God actually has been good and faithful. He can use my story to change the lives of people around me. First of all, you got to get in the water. Second of all, you have to do the impractical, the sacrificial piece where you begin to move. Thirdly, you have to lean into it. And lastly, just be at rest because God's taking you to something new. He's rewarding you. See, faith feels like risk, but in the end, faith is reward. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. We have to believe first he is, and second, that he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. In the book of James chapter 2, it says this, you say you have faith. If you have faith and it never leads to action, then you don't have faith. Like the equation would be this, faith plus action equals faith. It's an impractical equation, but the truth is if it didn't lead to action, it wasn't really faith. It was just like, I'll say it till I, you know, fake it till I make it. Just say I believe something, but when you put your action into it. Now I would just hate for us to be a group of people standing on the beach somewhere watching others enjoy, watching others ride the wave. Watching others find themselves picked up and carried. Watching others do, do something that seems impossible. Observing it happen in the lives of others and say, well, easy enough for them. No, it's not easy for anyone. Everyone's got to get out in the water. And everyone's got to begin to paddle. And everyone's got to lean. I, I like what Elijah said. Like as he, he's, he's working at it, he's like, well, do it again. He says it two times, right? Once for the pouring on of water, he's like, do it again. Keep on sacrificing. Because for some of us, we're like, well, I sacrificed enough. Enough is enough. God hasn't showed up yet. I was obedient last month. Right? I forgave last time someone hurt me. Enough is enough. I've done my part. And I think the word of the Lord for us would be like, well, do it again. Keep on doing that thing. 
And then he also says it that second time, right? When it's like with anticipation, looking for the cloud to come. And, and the report comes back, nothing's changed. He's like, well, check again. Check again. For some of us, that's the beautiful thing, I think, of the imagery of waves is waves keep rolling. They keep on coming. And some people are like, I missed my wave. The year was 2007. That was my chance. It was my time. I was in my gap year. You know, could have been a missionary. Got busy, got, like, whatever. Missed my moment. Missed my time. I was going to share my faith once with my friend. The conversation made its way around. They were talking about the Da Vinci Code. They were asking me what I believe. I, and then, but then, you know, the movie went out of theaters. I never really ever took the, the plunge to share what I believe. Well, there's another wave coming. Do it again. There's another wave coming. That, like the mercies of the Lord are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. He's given us an opportunity to ride again and again. He, like, he's not going to stop. That's the consistency of the tide, right? God's going to keep on coming. There's opportunities to ride. So do it again. Come on, as a church, we're going to do it again. We never stop starting. Sometimes when you start things, they don't work, but we'll do it again. Sometimes when you take initiative, you find yourself, you fell out of practice, but then we do it again. Sometimes a step of faith, you feel like, man, what if I fall on my face? But then you do it again. You know, in, in the book of James, chapter 5, I'm going to end with this. Speaking of Elijah, this exact story says this, Elijah was a man just like us. When he prayed, the rain stopped. And then when he, he prayed, the rain came back. The prayers of righteous people are powerful and effective. Because it's easy enough to look at someone like Elijah and you're like, yeah, but he was special, right? I said that, right? He had a special, unique relationship with God. Do you know what? For us, we also have a special, unique relationship with God. The Bible says we're the righteous. We're the ones that God has made a trade with, his righteousness for our imperfections. And in the same way, just like Elijah, God listens to us. He responds to us. Would you bow your heads where you are? Jesus, I thank you. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.